Welcome to the Savvy Social Podcast, the show that blends stories and strategies to help businesses create engaged and profitable online communities using the unique power of social media. And now your host, Andrea Jones. Lainey, welcome back to the podcast. It's always, uh, you're one of my favorite people to talk to, which is why I harass you on Boxer all the time about gossipy <laughs> stuff, about the Paul's and the tarot cards and stuff. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we get into it. I love it. I love it. And I'm super excited to have you here today because, you know, social media changes so freaking fast. And I have a lot of questions that I want to just pick your brain about very publicly with our 10,000 listeners. So here we go. Here um, we go. Here we go. So a question that we've been getting is all about social media and how, you know, it's this free resource, but does that mean we are the product? Like how, how is that possible? Can you tell us about how social media sites use us as the product? Right. Um, so absolutely, yes, you are the product. We all are the product uh, for companies like the Facebooks, which owns Instagram, the, the meta universe. There's a reason why they have the highest sort of revenue of, of other companies and the Googles and uh, all the people who are collecting information about you and then reselling it to advertisers. Uh, that makes you the product. Now, there's a lot of changes happening right now. You've probably noticed, you know, every website you go on has these cookie banners now. And um, if you're running ads, for instance, on social media, you notice that your targeting has become less specific, perhaps, or maybe options that you had before aren't available anymore. It's because we are starting to put regulation in place. I say we, the the whole world. <laughs> But uh, depending on where you're coming from, there are different data regulations and privacy regulations that will govern how data should be treated. But the overall consensus is that we need more boundaries. We need to be able to have a little bit more control over our personal information and identity online. And so you're starting to see these sorts of changes take place where these companies aren't able to access as much information as they could about you before. The same thing goes for you, by the way, as a marketer, you, Andrea, but also you, the listeners, uh, anyone who is involved in marketing, you'll notice that, oh, my numbers aren't as accurate. My open rates on my emails aren't, uh, you know, clocking the way they used to. My analytics aren't clocking the way they used to. Things aren't as accurate. It's not so much that things aren't as accurate. It's that there's more awareness around how much data is being collected and there are boundaries being put in place and legislation protecting people. And also people are just starting to take uh, control of their own online identity. So you have more people blocking ads. You have people blocking tracking cookies. Cookies are, are what allow people to be tracked online. Um, people are using VPNs, things that just block uh, being able to see where people are going online, how their behavior is, um, where they came from, things like that. So you can expect to see a whole lot more um, boundaries being put in place, which is why it's all the more important for all of us as marketers to take more control over how we are tracking. Because to a certain extent, we've all relied on the Facebooks and the Googles and whatnot to actually put the tracking in place for us. Um, so we're able to go to our reports and see, oh, this person came from this link and this person came from that link. Those sorts of um, not freedoms, that's the wrong word, but uh, those sorts of 
privileges that have been granted to those companies to be able to put that tracking in place on your behalf because they're benefiting from it, right? Um, That's going to be minimized and you're going to have to take more control over how you're tracking your promotional efforts. Oh, interesting. So as a user then, how do I kind of protect myself? Is it like, like, like you said, blocking ads and things? So how do I, how do I know what data is being collected from me by the social media site? It isn't like that um, term is one of my pet peeves with the, <laughs> like users. Uh, we, it, it's maybe drug dealers and, uh, <laughs> You know, like who calls, <laughs> I get it. It's someone who uses a product. I get it. Yes, yes. But it's just kind of slimy to me. I'm always like when you have, so there's privacy compliant analytic software that you can use, um, things like Plausible or Fathom. And they refer to their users as visitors. And I like ah. that so much better because it just kind of, it's a little bit more <laughs> human, right? As opposed to being user. But that's that's totally a pet peeve of mine. Um, and it's not... Um, it's not a real problem. Listen, we 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 call each other users online, but um, it kind of removes the humanity of things, right? Yeah. And I think that's at the core of um, what you're saying in terms, how do you protect yourself from being treated as a statistic, being treated as information that can be exploited, essentially? One of the top things I would say before you even look at the companies themselves who are collecting your information, please turn on your two-factor authentication because it's not just the companies. It's being able, being the hackers who can access your accounts, who can start charging things to your accounts, who can be collecting things like email addresses and phone numbers and all kinds of stuff that you may have stored in your social media accounts, being able to access your ad accounts that has your credit card attached to it and spending. This is not an unheard of thing to do. So the best thing you can do for starters is the big picture of things. Turn on your two-factor authentication to protect your identity, your your account, your actual profile from being hacked. Um, the other thing would be to minimize how much personal information you're actually putting on there. So if you don't need your credit card put into your account, don't put it. Anything that you don't need to be putting into um, to a platform, don't do it. I mean, it's one of those things where it can be more convenient, but you also have to mitigate the risk, especially the more accounts you have, the more risk there is of having that information accessed. Yes, I think Sometimes we think that we're protected because, you know, we had to create an account with a username and a password. So it's safe, you know, and <laughs> if we sent our, you know, uh, personal information through a direct message. But if a hacker gets that information, like a credit card or like a social insurance number, uh, I don't know if direct messages are that safe because anybody can access that information. It's actually quite scary. I've had uh, several clients who've been hacked. Um, One of my mentees got hacked. Someone um, Instagrammed her as her client asking for information and she didn't realize her client's account had gotten hacked. So she gave them that information thinking it was her client and then her account got hacked. It was a whole mess. It was a mess. Um, It's wild how this can happen to people. 
It really is. And you can access, if you get into an account, you can access and download all of the conversations that happened in those DMs. So if you're doing something like sharing a password with your VA, for instance, in your DMs, uh, suddenly people would have access to that information. Um, anything, like you said, when you have a client who's asking for information, any of those sort of personal information sensitive type things should never be shared in those dms share it on another platform that's a little bit more secure than your social media keep in mind also that all of the information that you're inputting into your dms is being harvested and used by that platform uh to better target you or other people who are in your um in your circles so anything that you are posting on there is what you are being essentially targeted with that i mean i i like targeting as much as the next person when i'm looking for a white tank top and i'm wanting to see the white tank tops that are available to me i sure do like that targeting right but there's a time and place for what you want to be targeted for for instance you don't want to be putting health information you don't want to be putting too much um you know when the 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 prompts of who was your what was your grandfather's name and what like those sorts of things uh you can you you want to minimize how much of that type of information that you're sharing yeah i've seen those posts i mean you know there is a certain demographic of people on facebook who love to you know share like the address that they grew up at or their first car and these are all like security question answers like do i yeah. share this information yeah anywhere yeah uh, but it, yeah it, it's so it feels fun in the moment but it can be really dangerous so you mentioned to looking at the sites themselves i know how you personally feel about tiktok but can you share with our audience you know some of the challenges especially with data and tiktok so tiktok i love tiktok it's a great uh way to sudden wonder where the last hour went right um and that's how i got sucked into it and i uh like everybody else and then i started using the platform to post and i started educating myself as to how the information is being used i don't want to put it out there like scary oogie boogie stuff that it is the um the end all and be all of the worst you know platforms with how they're using your data they are not they're using your data the same way everybody else is. Um, they're not any worse than Facebook. But I got off of TikTok, again, to mitigate risk. Um, I don't need more out there. Uh, I'm just going to limit my... I'm going to limit my exploitation to just one platform, please and thank you. So it's just Instagram for me for now um, because I don't feel that it's worth it for me to be on TikTok. That's my personal choice. However... The conversation around this right now is around the fact that the company is owned by ByteDance, which is a Chinese-owned company, which means the Chinese government, based on their legislation, would have access to all of the data. That means all of your DMs, um, all of your uh, videos, whether they're drafts in or not. There's some argument as to whether TikTok actually has access, and they have done, they have had this in the past. So just because they say they're accessing one thing uh, doesn't mean they might not be sort of pushing that boundary a little further. And it's been shown that... Um, it appears that they are tracking all of what you're typing into your keyboard. Apparently, that's not happening anymore. But so any text message you set off of the uh, TikTok platform, for instance, was being tracked by um, the TikTok app. 
This is um, according to all these different researchers. So I encourage you to do your own research as to what is being collected and what you're comfortable with. But there is, I don't think, there's a lot of talk about TikTok being banned. Some schools are banning it. And because of, a lot of federal entities are banning it because of this um, Chinese-owned issue, let's call it. But I don't think it's going to be banned. I really think that it's going to further push the regulation necessary for all of these apps. What are you collecting? Being transparent about what is being collected uh, because there's a significant lack of transparency and you keep finding all of these apps, not just TikTok. I know it's the easy one to pick on right now, but if you start doing your research, a lot of these apps are collecting all kinds of information that they're not being transparent about how they're collecting it, what they're doing with that information, where it's being stored, how long it's being stored, um, who it's being shared with. You're even seeing companies right now like um, the Bay and uh, there's a big thing in, in the news right now where these companies like, uh, is it Petco or something like that, where they were actually sharing customer information with Facebook, not just the email addresses that we have been putting into Facebook, but actual spending habits and um, things along those lines. So transparency, I really do see that this is going to be the year, or at least maybe it's just hopes, but I, I feel like this is going to be the year where we're going to start understanding a lot more and seeing a lot more about how our information is being used. Those cookie banners I mentioned earlier that, you know, you have to keep but manage my preferences as to how I'm being tracked on this website. We're seeing those because it's an awareness thing of being like, oh, you are entitled to knowing how uh, your information is being used. When I say you're entitled, it depends on where you're from. If you're European, Europeans have uh, more privacy and data privacy rights than uh, the rest of the world does. But I really do think everyone's sort of playing catch up to to that and advancing the cause of knowing what's happening to your personal information. I find it so fascinating the liberties some of these apps take. I kind of um, get tunnel vision sometimes. I'm like, it'll work itself out. That's my toxic positivity shining on through. Yeah. Uh, But it's scary sometimes, like, the amount of data. And I know TikTok is taking the heat right now. Absolutely. It's a shiny new thing. But I like that you mentioned that other apps are doing this, too. Um, And we just have to be mindful and the awareness piece of, like, how are these apps using our data? And them being in the news is kind of forcing them to be more transparent with what they're doing. Like tracking our text messages, that's wild. That is not okay for any app. When you're giving them access to your photo album, uh, are you just giving them access to the photos that you select? Or is it your full photo album? It's your full photo album. So it's everything that's in there. Uh, Yeah, it's... It's so big, you know, but I think I feel like we're going to be looking back a few years from now being like, oh, wow, we were rookie mistakes, huh? Just because you don't know what you don't know. And things started moving forward so fast and companies started taking the liberties that let's be honest, nobody was stopping them because we didn't know any better. And I really feel like as we, the public, know better, um, I think that we will demand better. And people who are listening to you, they're marketers. So they are people who know better than just the general public. And even there, it's a huge education part of, of just yeah. 
bringing awareness and transparency to people who are already in the know. So what is happening, you know, a level below where people who may not really understand how the online world works in terms of tracking and apps and accesses, um, how it all goes down. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Ooh, scary and fascinating. I love it. All right. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about looking at social media data. And then also I want to ask a few questions about chat GPT, because that's a hot topic. So we'll be right back. This conversation about artificial intelligence is just the tip of the iceberg, my friend. And in the Savvy Social School, we're going deep into all things AI. So I want to give you an invitation to come on in and join us. For example, if you want to learn more about the different prompts that you can give ChatGPT so that it gives you more and more refined content ideas, that's a resource we're adding into the school as I speak. And also, if you want to learn more about how to input data into GPT and have it spit back out the exact things that you want it to, that's also a new resource we just added in the Savvy Social School. We also have so much more support in the school from our weekly co-working sessions, our trend reports, our live classes, tons of courses on topics like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, and so much done for you content, captions written for you, graphics designed for you, videos edited for you, all included in your membership at the Savvy Social School. So come on in and join us. I'll see you there. Bye for now. Okay, we're back. So tell me, Lainey, you know, you're like the data person. I was actually talking with one of my mentees recently and she name dropped you and didn't realize that we know each other. She was like, you've got to listen to Lainey. Oh, my gosh. I'm suffering over your name. <laughs> she was like, you got to listen to Lady Lamar's podcast because she goes into all of the details about data. Did you know all of this about Google Analytics? I was like, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> Did you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing about it, too. Can, like, I don't want this to be an oogie boogie, scary conversation. I know I keep sort of harping on that. It This is doesn't it, it, the things that you don't know are scary when you know them and you face them. They become a whole lot less scary. So I don't want it to be uh, data is it's great. It's great to use to make informed decisions, but you don't need all the data. All the data doesn't matter. Like Google Analytics is a great example where it collects something like it, it's like over 500 data points. I can't name 500 data points, right? But it's collecting all that information. Now, I know what information that I would need to make a decision, a data-driven decision. Um, you can think of some data points that you would need to make a data-driven decision. You know, did they land on this page? Did they do this when they got there? What happened next? Those sorts of specific questions and in understanding what data you actually need as opposed to just collecting and hoarding all the information is is the key to being properly data driven in a responsible way. Yes. And I think that's it too. Like I look at something like Google Analytics and I'm so embedded in it that I'm probably going to continue using it. And also I'm going to educate myself on what what are the downsides? What what risks am I putting my clients at by continuing to use this data? You know, what are the implications? So I do think it's important to know all of that so that you go into it with 
eyes wide open, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but when it comes to social media data, I find that my conversations with my clients and students, it can be challenging to actually know, you know, how is this successful? How is this actually impacting my business? So from a data expert perspective, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's great to frame it the way you have as well, where how do I know if it's working? Well, you have to back it up and you don't start by looking at the data. You started looking, what are you doing? What are you focused on? Are you like, let's say reels, for instance, is where you've been investing your time. You really want to know if that's working. You hone in on those data points. You hone in on your reels data and you start looking at those numbers specifically. Again, all the data doesn't matter all the time. It's just the data that reflects where your efforts are at right now. Um, so you might have some overall data points that you look at those just keeping your eye on those followers and and seeing sort of what that growth rate is, just keeping track of that. But when you're actually going to make a decision as to what you're going to do, honing in on the actions you've taken, what your expectations are from those actions, and then looking at the numbers that will reflect whether your expectations were met is how you can not feel so overwhelmed with all of the things you could be looking at. Just looking at what you're doing. Yeah. I like that. And I think it starts with the social media platforms. I know sometimes we go straight to, you know, sales or website traffic, but going straight to the source, Instagram Reels data. Um, are you doing this yourself? Because I know you're kind of, you're playing around with Instagram Reels. I see you're, you're getting creative with it. I love it. Talk to me about like your whole process in this. So I have a membership, membership to get data driven that I use, um, That's what I'm really creating most of my content in right now. And I'll take little snippets of the content that I'm creating for my members and create reels or stories out of those so that I'm not reinventing the wheel trying to create all kinds of different content. Look, I'm already creating great content for my members. So why don't I just show the people on social media what's happening over there? That's my thought process behind it. And that's how I want to treat social media. I see social media, um, the expectation with social media is that you're going to have all these conversions coming from social media. And in my experience, this is not what I see. It is Social media is rarely going to be your top converter to sales. Um, but it is where you build that awareness. It's where you build that engagement. It's where you make people aware of what you're doing. It is your billboard of what your offers are, essentially. So I really reframed how I'm using and seeing social media as being that. It's just a billboard for what is behind the scenes of what I actually have to offer. So that's my content strategy right now. Just taking what I'm already creating and making little billboards out of them. I love the billboard analogy. I think it's great. And you know what? Um, the same things for my business, y'all. I know I say this a lot, but I, it it bears repeating in that most of my sales come from email marketing. Like even though I am a social media person, um, I also repeat. I'm a re- repeat outfit person on social media. Like there's nothing new there. <laughs> I've yeah. said it all somewhere else before. And um, it's a great awareness tool for me. It helps grow my audience. It helps me meet new people. But most of those new people sign up for my email list and then hang out with me for six months before they buy anything. 
Um, and I think that's important to know um, from a data perspective as well. You know, what role does social media play in your business so that you can effectively use it as a tool to grow your business instead of expecting things that it's not, you know, going to give your specific business model? Do you feel that people's ex? Uh, how do you feel about what people's expectations are of what their results will be out of their presence on social media? Yeah, I think it's a little bit like the person who like goes to New York City to make it big, you know, yeah. like they're like, I'm going to be a Broadway star and <sighs> they're working at Chili's, you know, like nothing yeah. gets organic Chili's. But sometimes we think that we're going to be popular. Right. And that's the expectation instead of growing our business and making money. Yeah. Um, and so social media can make you popular. Um, and it can grow your business. And sometimes those things happen at the same time. But most times, most of my clients are, you know, Broadway star level popular. They're your average person using social media as a tool to grow their business. So I think sometimes that little dose of reality is helpful. But um, most people think they're going to go viral. And going viral doesn't necessarily mean it's going to help or hurt you. Um, it can, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have the best business ever if you do. I think chasing that can be very dangerous. Going viral also said. doesn't mean sales. It just means no. you're popular. Like there's a difference between being popular and making sales. And something I think that people forget when they're using social media is they're, you have people complaining, oh, the algorithm and people aren't seeing me. And, uh, you know, the social media platforms are screwing us over. They're not screwing you over. They're monetizing you. That is yeah. their business model. You are there to make them money. They are not there to accommodate you, to promote you, to grow you. They are there to make money off of you and your followers. And it's it's a business, just like yep. you're running a business. So to maybe not take it so personally when you're not doing well, because it's, it's all, it's just business. It's not personal at all. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard this um, update where TikTok... Um, manually inflate views of like certain influencers yeah i heard that i heard that so what it's like reinforcing what you just talked about like their goal is to keep certain people on the app so that they can make more money at the end of the day like yes the the algorithm wants attention and the average person if you create great content and it gets attention it you will get more attention the better the content is the more it resonates with people and also, we can't forget that we're playing in someone else's playground and we're playing by their rules. So absolutely, their rules go, unfortunately. Absolutely. And when you find it difficult to be exporting data, for instance, from these platforms, that's the reason why. It's their data. It's not yours. They own yeah. that data, not you. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I want to talk about exporting data because you have a very interesting use case of this using artificial intelligence, specifically ChatGPT. Um, so you export data and then you get AI to like work its magic. Tell me yeah. about it. <laughs> uh, it's what all the cool kids are talking about, right? ChatGPT. And the first thing I wanted to do when I started playing with it is like, how do I train it to tell me what my best data driven decision is? Because that's sort of the hang up I see with people a lot where they are like, okay, all these numbers. Now what? What do I do with them? How do I know where the trends and patterns are? How do I figure out what to do next? And um, I've 
I found some fun use cases where you can download your YouTube data or um, this isn't social media, but Google Search Console. Anything where you're using a title um, and importing that into ChatGPT. Now, you can't import spreadsheets, so it is a little bit of a, a workaround, like copy and paste, but put that in there. And the magic happens in the prompts. I always say that the creative business owners are the ones who are the best at getting data driven because they ask the best questions. They come out with the most out of the box kind of solutions to things. They think uh, way more creatively than than analytical people do. And therefore, the results, the expectations, the solutions they come up with are so much better. So with ChatGPT, the magic really is in the question asking, uh, in the prompts that you give it. So, you know, you upload your information and you start with, okay, give me 10 topics, 10 new topics to create videos on or whatever it is. And then it'll give you 10 topics. And then you can say, um, elaborate on the second one because the second one looked interesting to you. And you can ask it to give you eight points so that you can create an Instagram carousel out of it. You can ask it to write you a 45 second script for your Instagram reels and add a call to action to click the link in the bio at the end. Like it can do all of the work for you in terms of writing your content in your captions and your actual script. So um, being able to find those creative ways to use them is, is uh, it's fun. It's, it kind of makes you more creative in a way where it gives you an idea and then you can just roll with it because it only do about 80% of it for you. You still have to put your own brand and your own input and your own research, by the way, because ChatGPT is not, it doesn't give you the sources where it got this information from. So you can't treat it like gospel. You do have to, you do have some responsibility to verify your information. But yeah, it's a fun tool to start playing with and you start thinking of other things that you're like, oh yeah, I could go down this rabbit hole that you might not have thought of on your own, which I think is really interesting. It does have its limitations too in terms of the more you play with it, the more you see the same prompts coming up and you're like, okay, all right, I got it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's great to to explore. Yeah. You know, I'm actually kind of good that it has limitations. Like, I'm glad it has limitations because my first thought was like, oh, no, the robots are taking over. This is the end <laughs> of the world. <laughs> like, like this is where they go. Oh, humans are bad. Let's get rid of them all. Um, yeah. So I like seeing the limitations that it's bumping up against. But it's funny that you say that about um, sourcing as well. Like, oh, the robots can be wrong, you know. So it's just telling, it's like regurgitating information, but it could be regurgitating the wrong information. Anyway. And it's not uh, making any qualms about it. Like it tells you on the first page, limitations, big, bold letters. Like it's not fine print. And it's like, we might be wrong. This might have incorrect or biased information. Um, I like I like that transparency. I'm a big fan of it. Now, what they're doing with what you put into ChatGPT, again, don't ever put personal information in ChatGPT. Don't put addresses and names and email addresses or uh, IP addresses even. Like these are not things that you put into ChatGPT um, and it will tell you as much uh, to, to not be putting that sort of stuff in there. And it does say we might be pulling from people's personal information and its limitations, which I really appreciate um, that level of transparency because I would like to see other uh, platforms start to follow suit on that. Yes, the like bold transparency right up front, not in like a terms and conditions that we just all swipe through anyways. <laughs> Absolutely. And not the legal jargon that you don't understand. Um, yeah. I, I like the just 
hey, here's here are English words. Yeah. <laughs> Plain English. Thank you, please. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my gosh, Lainey. A wealth of knowledge, as always. So for the listeners who want to learn more from you, what's the next best step? Uh, well, you can, my social, my only social platform at this point is Instagram. You can follow me at omigrowth, O-M-G-R-O-W-T-H. Um, and you can go over to omigrowth.com, O-M-G-R-O-W-T-H.com. And uh, you can find more about me and my content. I have my podcast, the Let's Get Data Driven podcast. I have the membership, the Let's Get Data Driven membership, which is a nice low cost membership where you can get data-driven, start putting the tracking in place that you own, uh, that not the, all the other people own, not the Facebooks and the Googles, but you own the, your own information, your own data, your own tracking, and um, have fun workshops like how to use ChatGPT to do all your data-driven decision-making, things like that. Yes, highly recommend y'all the membership. It's great. I have it as part of my CEO cast on Monday to go look in there and See what I need to update for my data because there's always something. Um, and I'll put all of those links in the show notes, onlinedrea.com slash 243. That's 243 at onlinedrea.com. Lainey, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you, Audrea. And thank you, dear listener. Next week, I have another fantastic interview coming to you with Maggie Patterson. We're going to dive into her no-nonsense approach to social media marketing. So stay tuned for that next week. I'll see you soon. Bye for now.